Hey, welcome to our online sermons at Coastal Community Church. So glad that uh, you're checking these sermons out on our internet and, and on our website. And so I want to welcome you. And, and I do want to encourage you that these sermons, online sermons, should be a supplement to your spiritual growth. But one of the things that we're big believers in at Coastal Community Church and uh, want to encourage you is to find a home church uh, where you can not only grow in teaching, but also grow in community with other believers. So if you don't have a home church near you and you live in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love to invite you to Coastal Community Church. We just recently moved uh, to 101 Village Avenue. We have two services, uh, 915 and 11, and we'd love for you to check out one of our services here in the community. Over the summer, uh, a lot of changes going on at Coastal Community Church. We're changing locations, and, and part of what we wanted to focus on in the summer as we move into our new location is to remind us of the one thing that doesn't change and won't change at Coastal, and that's that we wanted to lift up the person and the work of God's Son, Jesus Christ. So Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, the letter of Hebrews is the perfect letter to remind us that Jesus is greater than anything we could imagine. And so I hope you'll join us and enjoy this sermon called Greater Than. Hey moms, do me a favor and, uh, and stand for us. We want to thank you for being a mom and remain standing, okay? We're going to have a word of prayer over you. You know, don't sit yet, don't sit yet. We want to have a word of prayer over you, but... Um, you know, I, I think we live in a culture where uh, the family and its importance in the design of God is being undermined. And so you moms that are standing, thank you so much for representing your home. Um, you play a unique role in your family. And uh, it's, you know, uh, the greatest gift that we can give is passing on the gospel of Jesus Christ to our children. And so moms, way to go in that. Uh, I know Mom's Day can be mixed emotions for people, and I want to pray about that this morning, too. You can have, everybody has a different experience with that, and so I want to pray for you. So do me a favor. Everybody bow your head, close your eyes, and let's just thank the Lord for the gift of motherhood and, and, and these moms that are standing this morning. Heavenly Father, I want, to, I want to just thank you for every mom that's standing right here this morning, and I just pray a spiritual blessing over them, God, that they might know you. Actually, we're going to talk about rest today. They would rest in you and in your sovereignty and your goodness and who you are. I pray, Lord, for the one that's standing here and actually has mixed emotions. Maybe, maybe they buried their mom or maybe they've buried a child. And so today is always a day of mixed emotions. I pray that while we celebrate moms, that you would be a me- give them a measure of comfort and in peace. I, I pray for the one in this room that as they stand and they're recognized this morning, uh, they don't have quite the memories that many of us do of their mom. Maybe, maybe there's issues of unforgiveness in their heart and on a regular basis they're trying to navigate that in their heart, mind, and soul. I pray that they might extend the gift of forgiveness that Jesus, uh, as, that has been extended to us by God through Christ. I pray, Lord, for the single mom in this room and this, the, this challenge of provision and all the other things that moms have to do. I just pray, God, that you would provide for them. I pray that the church and the church body would make up the difference where the difference needs to be made up in that home. And, and Lord, I just want to thank you for all the moms. I think one of the great things about being uh, about motherhood is moms 
do a lot of the things that go unseen. And what encourages me is they're not unseen by you, Heavenly Father. You see all and you reward those who, who serve their families as an act of worship to you. And so we are so grateful for our homes and we're so grateful for our mothers. And uh, Lord, I just pray that you'll bless them on this day. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, give these moms one more round of applause. And... Um, Moms, I want to let you know that on your way out, we have a gift for you, courtesy of the Men's Ministry of Coastal Community Church. Uh, You'll get a flower on the way out, and that's just to recognize you. And uh, if you're here this morning and Coastal Community Church bailed you out, okay, uh, uh, one, you can thank the men's ministry, okay, and two, if you're a guy, here's what you can do to make it up. You can just go to the next men's event. How about that? And so... uh, so, moms, we appreciate you and love you. And um, one of the things like I've been telling you guys, we're kind of in this process of what we're calling our soft opening. There's things we're working on every single week and uh, trying to enhance the building. And we're going to do a grand opening in the fall, and we're going to recognize a lot of people that, that made uh, the vision that we had to have our corporate worship services here in this location a reality. Uh, so each week I'm going to try to give you a little tidbit that will make your experience at Coastal Corporate Worship a little bit better. One of the things you need to know is how you can leave, okay? So hopefully you're not anxious to leave, okay? But, um, you know, a lot of, it's, it's easy to go out of here and just go to the one light, and it's actually two lights that you can get out of uh, this location. And in order to do that, you got to go out of the main driveway and make a left, okay? And that kind of weaves you around kind of over towards the ice rink and the movie theater, and uh, so you can kind of head that way, and then you make a right, and you'll be at the second light here in the, in the Kiln Creek Village, and so shopping village. So you, that's uh, two ways you can get out, and it'll help you get out even easier when the crowds get, when there's a large crowd, okay? Second thing is this, uh, we are in the process, as you know, of working on our sound system. And so uh, we actually have a borrowed sound system and uh, really appreciative for that uh, because we're still growing into our new place and we'll have our new sound system eventually. Okay, so in the meantime, as we're tweaking and we're working, each week we've been working real hard on the sound. If you go, man, it's deafening loud and we're we're still trying to work all that out. Okay, just so here's the little thing, okay. Out at the Welcome Center, we do have earplugs, okay. So doesn't hurt our feelings if you need them. We have plenty of them, and, and we're just trying to find the right spot, okay? And uh, so here we go. Let's jump in this morning, okay? We're in the letter of Hebrews. Um, if, you don't, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, uh, there's probably one in a chair in front of you, and if you don't own a Bible, take that one with you, okay? That's our gift to you. We'd love for you to have a copy of the Word of God. And while you're kind of doing that, if you're a guest with us this morning, I, I just want to be really clear about who we are at Coastal Community Church. Okay, at Coastal Community Church, we believe it's our job, and in fact, you're sitting in this location uh, because there's a lot of people in this church body that made some personal sacrifices uh, for us to be here, and it's because we believe it's our job not to worship the God that we want but to worship the God who is as he's revealed himself in this thing called the Bible, okay? And so sometimes that's really comfortable, sometimes that's really uncomfortable, uh, but we open this book, we believe it's God's love letter, it's God's word to us, and we're unpacking it. So we're in the middle of a series right now um, called Hebrews. It's a letter uh, that was written by an author to some Christian or Christ-following Jews, okay? And so, and now they're facing persecution. It means they're maybe going to jail because they're Christians or 
or maybe having their stuff taken from them. And so many of them are thinking about leaving their Christianity and, and, and heading back to their old way of thinking and their old, old way of believing. And so this author is really encouraging them to consider Christ as superior to all other ways of life, okay? And so that's why we've called this series Greater Than. And the first four chapters of the letter are, I'm just going to be honest with you, okay? They're heavy. Now it gets lighter, okay? It kind of starts off with the negative and goes to the positive. And so this morning, I'm just going to kind of give you an emotional check in your spirit, right? This is a heavy sermon this morning, and it's intended to be, okay? And so I want you to leave here this morning, and I want you to be considering spirituality and Jesus Christ and the gospel message and eternal things above all else. Does that make sense? And so the author this morning is challenging us with Jesus Christ is greater than all things, including rest. In fact, that's how it's in Christ that we finally find our rest. Now, we're in a busy culture, yes? I mean, does it ever feel like you're, you know, you're going 100 miles an hour? And so uh, one of the things that I do to, to make up time in my day... If there's any police officers in the room, you just kind of plug your ear, okay, because I'm going to be honest for a minute. I try to make up time on the road, okay? I don't, I don't know if you do that. And um, I'm from the Northeast, okay? So if you're from the Northeast, um, you take your life in your hands when you drive, okay? And so, like, if you're entering a merge ramp in the Northeast, they don't let you in. you got to get in, all right? If you're passive, you're going to sit on the edge of that ramp for a long time. And so, and so, that, I'm, kind, and so I'm, I'm not a... I think I'm a great driver, but most people would probably say that's the guy that's a jerk, okay? So that's kind of how, how I drive. My wife reminds me of that. And so this past fall, um, my son had a baseball game way out in the western part of the state of Virginia on a Saturday morning. And we were running a little bit late. And so uh, we're way out there. And I think it's Route 460, right, that kind of runs like maybe from Charlottesville. And we were way out there. And, and I'm trying to make up a little time on the road, you know, and it's, you know, not riding close to you. I'm drafting. It was kind of my thing, you know. And so, like, and so I'm kind of doing that number. And I'm in the fast lane on 460. I'm trying to make up some time. I get behind this car, and they're gracious enough to get along, and then you know, merge over in the slow lane. And as I go by them, I look into their car, and it's a coastal community church member. Okay, and they're like, "Well, there's our pastor," you know, and. And I'm kind of like, oh my goodness, you know, and so yes, I'm an idiot. And so thank you for getting over. I'll see you all tomorrow. I'll be driving fast to get to church on time. So, you know, so that's kind of what I did. You know, we're just in a rush all the time. And, it, and if you're like me in this rush, you're like, man, I, my soul could, could just use some rest, right? And, and, and it's, man, the treadmill. And... The pressure is just, it feels like it's on all the time, right? And so, in fact, one of the things that at Coastal we're real big on is, is being a part of international missions trips. You know, if you've ever been on a missions trip to another country, I mean, you go to some other countries, it just doesn't feel like their foot's on the gas like it is here, right? Like it just, it feels more throttled back. But in, in America, it's just like, and there's some value to that. You know, I think America's very productive and there's a high level of productivity. But in the middle of that, man, sometimes it's like, Man, where's the rest? You know, some of you are like, you're sitting here this morning and tomorrow you got to get up and you got to go to a job that you hate, but you go because your lifestyle's here and the income level's needed. And, you know, and so in that, it's like, ah, oh, the burden of that. Or maybe, maybe it's like, man, I, 
I just want to get to retirement. But we live in this culture where retirement seems like this dream, this wishful thinking that just gets further and further away. Or maybe it's like, I just, I just want to give my kids the stuff that I didn't have. But in the midst of that dream, it's like that seems to be getting further and further away. Or, you know, the list goes on of your dreams and your hopes. And, you know, maybe you're in the middle of caring for a loved one. You have a senior adult parent and you're, you're, you're doing the right thing. But, man, it, it's busy, busy, busy. And, you know, you're struggling to get your degree. And on and on and on the list goes. And rest for you seems impossible. I want to encourage you this morning because, and, and by the way, this kind of dovetails on last week. And, and, I'm, I, and so here's where we're going to change gears, right? I just, I just want, I want to prepare you this morning. I'm going to heavy on you this morning. Next week, it's a little happier, clappier, okay? But this week, it's like, man, this is the reality of the human condition this morning. This is the reality of where we find rest according to the author of Hebrews, and I want to encourage you, and what we're going to bring this to the end this morning is that, that rest is ultimately found in the new knowing God's Son, Jesus Christ. In fact, rest is, is not, not being busy. I wrote that sentence all by myself, and I've repeated it two sermons in a row now. So. Rest is not not being busy. It's about your trust and your faith in God's Son, Jesus Christ. That's what rest is. In fact, rest is available to you. It's always been available to the human race. Rest is available. God's intention for us from the beginning of time was to rest in Him. Hebrews 4.1, the author of Hebrews says, God's promise of entering His rest, it still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you may fail to experience it. Rest has always been God's gift to mankind. We were never intended to be on the treadmill going a, a gazillion miles an hour as if it all depended on us. In fact, if you think, if you know your Bible, you go all the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden, right? And so everything was provided for them, everything. Food and, you know, all the needs they had, shelter, whatever they needed, God provided. All they had to do was trust God. Isn't that incredible? Except for one tree, right? One tree. Tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from that one. And Adam and Eve in their rebellion of God's goodness and God's offer of rest, they rebelled against God and sin enters the world. And for the first time for Adam and Eve, there's this fracturing of sin. And ever since then, the human condition is one of sin and rebellion of God. We really don't want God's ways. The truth is we want to make sure we're in control and in that control, what we give up is we give up rest because we want to be the master of it all. And in that rebellion, Adam and Eve, for the first time in their existence, man, they had this emotional fracture, this relational fracture. Everything was fractured with God and with one another. I mean, even in marriage, I mean, could you imagine Adam and Eve, first time they have a fight? Like, what is this about? We don't know any different. We're born into sin, but for them, it was like, what is happening here? In fact, but, you know, by the way, and I think when we get to heaven, this is kind of a Sean idea, you know, I think it's taken out of the Garden of Eden, but I think we'll have some work to do, but it'll be much more fulfilling. 
Because part of the curse, and you can read this for yourself in Genesis 1 through 3, part of the first curse of sin entering the human race is God says, now you're going to work by the sweat of your brow. It's going to be difficult. It's not going to be as rewarding as it should have been because sin has entered the place. And now we don't know rest because we haven't trusted in the promises of God. And if you remember last week, we talked about how in Hebrews 3, how the author of Hebrews says Moses is a, or Jesus is a superior leader to Moses. And, and so he, and by the way, we're going to be referring back to this idea, right? And remember Moses, like, I mean, in all of redemptive history and all the things that God did, there was, there may have not been in, in Old Testament history, a, a leader that God did as much through miracle wise, supernatural wise as Moses. There was the plagues, the Red Sea, the providing in the wilderness. We talked about how when the people grumbled against Moses, remember that last week we talked about it? People grumbled against Moses and the ground opened up and swallowed the grumblers, and I was like, man, if I was in leadership, that would be fantastic. That would cure some problems. Well, they got what you deserved, right? And so, you know, like, boom, grumblers are gone. And, and, and all these great things through Moses. Yet, even Moses didn't lead the people to rest. And that's kind of the earthly illustration of the spiritual things that are going on. And we're going to unpack that. And I've encouraged you to read your first five books of the Bible because the recipients of the letter of Hebrews would have known the first five books of the Bible. And so, you know, I've been doing that. I encourage you to do it. I've been doing it. I've been reading through Leviticus. Woo! That makes such a good reading. There's some stuff in there you're like, what is going on here? But there's some really great stuff in there. God reminds his people that he created the Sabbath to just remember. It's that moment where you pause, you take a day, and you go, man, it's not all about me. The, the earth doesn't spin on me getting up and working hard tomorrow. Really, at the end of the day, God is in control. And then in Leviticus 25, God encourages the people, listen, every seven years, just let one of your fields lie fallow. Don't do anything with it. Trust me, I'm going to provide plenty for you. I mean, can you imagine that in an agrarian culture? Say, hey, we're going to let that field take a year off. And that's money to be made. And then God said in Leviticus 25, check this out. It never happened in the history of Israel, but imagine if it did. Every 50 years, there's going to be this year, and we're going to call it Jubilee. Now, if you're not a Christian or you're new to church circles, you're like, I see people wear weird T-shirts that say Jubilee. What in the world? That's what it means. Every 50 years, he said, I want you all to take the whole year off, and I'll provide for you. That's cool, right? I'm about to turn 50. I'm thinking about putting it to the test. Like go to my elder boards. Hey, you know, I'm Jubilee, I'm off for the year. See you next year. Anyway, so um, Jubilee, right? And God said, if you do that, here's what I'm going to do. Like you're going to get enough crops for the year you planted, the year you're off, and enough crops even till the following year when the new crop comes up and is produced. Isn't that cool? God has always intended for us to have a, ah, it's not all depend on me. But because we don't trust God and we don't trust his character, we don't have rest. God has always intended for rest to be a gift to us. Does that make sense? And so because of our rebellion now, Hebrews is saying, I want to be clear, many, many people through history haven't entered the rest that God promised. So here's the final offer of rest to you. It's in the gospel of Jesus Christ. God says, I've always offered, and here's the final offer. And the reason we have failed to accept God's offer of rest, and we talked about this last week, unbelief. We don't trust God, his ability, his character, and his promises. And so faith has always been the necessary ingredient to enter the rest of God. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. For this good news that God prepared this rest 
has been announced to us just as it was to them. Now, I want to come back to the them, okay? I want to let you know who he's talking about, and you're gonna, I think you're going to be really gripped by this story, okay? We're going to come back to that in a minute. It's been announced to them, but it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. For, we on, for only we who believe can enter his rest. The offer to rest has always been received by those who graciously, who by God's grace have been granted the, the, the eyes to be open to rest and to hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and so the author goes on in verse 3, he says, As for the others, God said, in my anger I took an oath. They'll never enter my place of rest. Even though this rest has been ready since he made the world, we know it is ready because of the place in the scriptures where it mentions the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested from all his work. But in the other passage, God said, they will never enter my place of rest. Here's the incredible offer. God has offered us to enter into his rest. God made rest. God made rest. He made it all the way at the beginning. Remember when he created the world? Six days he created, seventh day he rested. And by the way, when God rested, he wasn't tired Okay, God didn't go, whoo, that was exhausting, okay? It's not the kind of rest that we think of. It was a completion of his work. I believe God rested for two reasons. One, he was done what he set out to do. And two, he was modeling for us what was offered to us, which is we can rest in who he is. And so God's offer to rest now, this final offer to rest, is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The offer to rest is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. I want you to see this. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Ready? This is what Jesus said. Then Jesus said, come to me, all you are, who are weary and carry heavy burdens. If you're a guest here this morning, I kind of do interactive. So here we go. Ready? And I will give you, what's it say? I will give you rest. Jesus is the offering of rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy to bear and the burden that I give you is light. Now, let me make sure you understand this because this is kind of agrarian culture language, right? It means it's a, in a, in a, in a, written to a group 2,000 years ago that made their living pretty much as farmers, Okay. And so in that time, when you would work your field, the, what you would do is you would yoke or bring together two animals. You would harness the power of two animals to do your field. And this was called a yoke, okay? And traditionally, this yoke would bring these two animals together. You'd harness that power, and, and the bigger of the two animals would do the bulk of the work. Does that make sense? And so there was this yoking together. And what Jesus is offering is if we kind of, if you will, believe in him, we yoke ourselves to him. And one of the things I want to be clear about, I teach on this all the time. It's not a matter of if you will worship something. You're created to worship. Your heart is created to worship something. It is a matter of what you are worshiping. And when you worship something, you yoke your life to that thing. Does that make sense? with the good and the bad of that yoke. And so we live in a culture, man, where we have, in, uh, the, there's a broad stroke, okay? But we live in this culture where we have yoked ourselves to materialism. Man, stuff will make me happy. And so we, 
We're, we overwork and we save and we go on and on. And so, you know, it's either, it's either materialism or entitlement. And we've yoked ourselves to that and it comes with consequences, yes? Work, 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 work. I got to save. I got to have enough. I got to have enough. I gotta... Let me tell you something. What we've created is a culture of so much debt. I don't, I'm not even sure the foundation we're building on has any, I was about to say solidity. Is that a word? Anyway, I don't know if it's a solid foundation, right? So I don't know how much you plan to save in order to be safe. Now, I'm not trying to unnerve you. I'm trying to say, if that is your God, if that is your idol, if that is what you worship, then you are yoking yourself to something very unsettled. I know I'm kind of chipping away at the American foundation a little bit. Right? Or maybe you, maybe you yoke yourself to another person. Like, if I find the right person to marry, like, man, that person will, will make me happy. Let me tell you something, there's no person that can fill the void in your heart that only God fills. And so what happens when that person lets you down? Well, you've yoked yourself that, man, I'm extremely disappointed. And I've heard this said all the time. I, like, here, I want my life to be about my kids. Now, listen, the Bible calls that a very high value, but it's not the center of our being because your kids will let you down. Yes, parents? Some of you moms are like, ah, this morning was a little bit of a letdown, quite frankly, you know, so. <clears throat> right, like, that can't fulfill this thing. You, you can, you yoke yourself. You, maybe you're, maybe for you it's, a, to be honest, if we're being honest this morning, and maybe in honesty, like, your thing is, I just want to get high. Or I just want to get drunk, and that's your next thing, and you're yoked to that. Right? And if you yoke yourself to that, I mean, eventually, if that's your thing, I mean, I've seen this a million times, and maybe you've experienced it one side or the other. Like, you maybe either that's your thing, or you love someone that that's their thing. And eventually what happens is that, that person, to get the next high, I mean, that comes at a cost, and eventually they're stealing from people, and, and it's illegal, and on and on the list goes. Or if it's get drunk, or, you know, medicate myself, or... I mean, the list goes on and on and all those things. And instead of giving us rest, they put us on the treadmill of disaster. And we're running on this treadmill to feed our idol. Because we've yoked our worship and our hearts to the wrong thing. And so the author of Hebrews says, the offer to rest is in Christ. And the offer, just as it was for the people of the Old Testament, it remains today if you'll rest in the person and work of God's Son, Jesus Christ. And so in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 6, so God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news, they failed to enter because they disobeyed God. God is patiently waiting for you to enter his rest. You, you are free to get off the treadmill. You're free to somehow imagine that it all depends on you because it doesn't. You're free to unyoke yourself from your sin 
and from your idols and yoke yourself to the person and work of Jesus Christ. And know the freedom that's offered to him. By the way, let me, let me make sure I'm clear about this, okay? To yoke yourself to Christ is the gospel message. It's the idea of this, that God loved you. Now, our sin has fractured our relationship with God. And what we deserve as sinners in the, in the presence of a holy God is we deserved his judgment and his wrath. But God didn't immediately consume you and I. Why? Because he loves us and he's good to us and he cares for us. So here's what he did. He took his one and only son and he wrapped him in flesh. Now, by the way, if you're here this morning and you're a Christian, just get over the fact that you think you're somehow normal. You believe crazy stuff, okay? It's what you say you believe. I mean, this is like Thor, okay? He wraps himself in flesh, comes to earth, lives the perfect life, died on a cross. And it wasn't an ordinary death. It was a substitutionary death where the God of the universe poured out its hatred on sin on his son, Jesus Christ, on your behalf. Then he was laid in a grave. And three days later, Easter Sunday, he resurrected from the dead, okay? And he did that to show that he vanquished all his enemies. And so how do we enter his rest? It's when we repent of our sins. So sin, uh, repentance means 180 degrees. I'm going this way. I'm doing what I want, however I want to do it, in rebellion to the things of God. So I'm going to Pen. I'm going to turn from that. I'm going to turn from my idols. I'm going to get off that treadmill and I'm going to believe in the person, God's son, and the work that he died on my behalf and he rose again of Jesus Christ. And when I do that, I enter the rest of God. Isn't that amazing? And I offer that to you this morning because it's being offered to you out of the scriptures that you can enter his rest. I want to tell you something, this offer of God, it requires, according to the scriptures, it requires immediate action. And I, the last two weeks, man, I have, my soul has been gripped by these texts. Last week I went home, my son said, Dad, you sure moved around a lot in that sermon. I didn't know what that meant exactly, but I said, I've been gripped. I'm passionate about this. I want you to understand what's offered to you in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And, it, and this offer does, requires immediate action. Hebrews 4, 7. So God said another time for entering his rest. And at that time is, to, and that time is today. God announces through David much later in words already quoted. Today, when your heart hears his voice, don't harden your heart. Don't put off a response to the gospel of Jesus Christ because we're offered to enter this inheritance of Christ, which is the rest of God. And in this life, listen, we live in a broken world, but God's taking us to a perfect place, right? We say this at almost any funeral, right? We say, man, may they rest in what? Well, how do you know the peace of God? If you know Jesus Christ, that's the offer of rest, is to be a worshiper of Christ. And when we do that, we enter into his inheritance, the Bible says we enter, we join with Christ in his inheritance. Verse 10, for all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labor, just as God did after he created the world. And so don't miss this this morning. This is the urgent call to believe in Christ. And by the way, my fear this morning, like, 
Don't think, well, it's just the preacher. That's what he does. He's passionate. No, I I mean, think about your alternative. And we're going to get to this in a minute, who you're accountable to. You're not accountable to me. You're accountable to the Lord. And you don't want to stand before the Lord one day and, and your response be, well, you loved me so much that you sent your son and he was crucified for me, bore the weight of your wrath or sin for me as a substitutionary death. He rose again from the grave. And I just kind of yawned about it through my life. Huh. That's kind of tedious. No, this is an urgent call, and I told you it was going to be heavy. I want you to consider the truths of the Bible this morning. Cling to Jesus Christ, is what the author says. Verse 11, let's do our best to enter the rest. But if, if we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, man, we're going to fall. And then the do your best is not be good. The do your best is to continue to journey in faith in the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Now, let me make sure you have the context of what this author is talking about, okay? So let's back up for one minute because who is the people he keeps talking about that didn't enter the rest, okay? Moses and the people of Israel are an earthly illustration of the spiritual rest, what we would call heaven, okay, that is offered to us. And so he keeps saying, they didn't, they didn't enter the rest. They didn't enter the rest. They didn't enter. What is he talking about? Okay, so let's back up for a minute. Remember last week we talked about Moses. All these, God did all these great things through Moses. The 10 plagues, people finally leave captivity in Egypt. They cross the Red Sea on dry ground, cease part, boom, cease, you know, collapse on the, on the people of Egypt, the army of Egypt. They're out in the wilderness. God provides in the wilderness, provides in the wilderness, provides in the wilderness, provides in the wilderness. They get all the way up to this promised land. There's this promised land that's been promised to Moses' forefathers that there's this land and you're going to find your rest there. And again, it's an earthly picture of the spiritual rest that God's giving us. Okay. And then they didn't enter the rest. Well, why didn't they enter the rest? Because Moses then sends 12 spies into the promised land. Okay. And he sends them in and they call, he says, I want you to go in. I want you to tell us how great the land is. And I want you to come back and give us a report. Okay. So the 12 spies go in, they all 12 come back and say, it's phenomenal. The land's incredible. But 10 of the spies say, we're not going to be able to take the land because the people there are way too powerful. And so in that, they didn't trust that God was capable of doing what God said he was going to do. Does that make sense? Now, there were two guys that said, no, 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 no. God's already promised to us. It's great, and he's going to help us finish it. And so in this, these ten come back, and they stir up trouble among the nation. And the nation begins to buy into the ten rather than the two. And they stir up trouble, and the people say, you know what? I don't think we can take the land, even though God has promised, us to, promised it to us, right? And so in that... God has had enough. Now, this is going to shock you, okay? It shocked me. I was reading this the very week I was preparing my message on this. And it's in Numbers chapter 14, verse 26. And this is the story that Hebrews 4 is referencing. Now, I run the risk as a communicator. Ready? Everybody look at me for a minute. When you read 10 verses, people lose interest, right? So stick with me on this. I want you to see this. Numbers chapter 14, verse 26. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Aaron's the high priest, how long must I put up with, these, with this wicked community and its complaints about me? Yes, I've heard the complaints the Israelites are making against me. Now tell them this. Surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. 
You all dropped dead in the wilderness because you complained against me. Every one of you who is 20 years old or older and was included in the registration, you will die. You will not enter and occupy the land I swore to give you. The only exceptions will be Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. You said your children would be carried off as plunder. Well, I will bring them safely into the land and they will enjoy what you have despised. But as for you, you'll drop dead in the wilderness and your children, they'll be like shepherds wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. In this way, they will pay for your, what's the word there, church? It's belief and unbelief. Until the last of you lies dead in the wilderness, because your men explored the land for 40 days. Check this out. You must wander in the wilderness for 40 years, a year for each day, suffering the consequences of your sin. Then you will discover what it is like to have me as a what? Whoa. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will certainly do these things to every member of the community who has conspired against me. They will be destroyed here in the wilderness here they will die. Is it just me? Or is God serious about entering his rest? See, the people would have read this text in Hebrews 4 and they would have known exactly the story that was being talked about in Numbers. And the author is calling us to learn from history. Don't brush aside the call of the Lord to enter his rest. The past people missed it. And you, he's telling his people that are receiving this letter, you're in danger of missing it by leaving the gospel of Jesus Christ. And church, we live in a culture that's in danger of missing it. And by the way, I'm not talking about the them out there. I'm talking about the portion of our culture that runs around and says, I am a Christian, yet we are not clinging with all we have to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the call of the world is enticing us, and so we're running from our rest. And the Bible says, here's the deal. The Bible says your life is a vapor. 70, maybe 80 years. And what you do with the gospel of Jesus Christ has eternal significance and consequences. Are you feeling the weight this morning? I want you to. I, w- I want you to, to carve out. We're so busy. Living the American dream that we never pause and, and give serious thought to eternal things. And I want you this morning, I'm, I'm desperate in my soul this morning for you to consider eternal things above all else. I want you to feel the gravity of the word of God 
And to make things clear to the recipients of this letter, by the way, the author writes one more thing. Check this out. This is how serious he is. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 and 13. If you're sitting here this morning, well, maybe I'll just be good enough. Maybe, maybe I'll somehow be good enough to get to heaven. Okay, Hebrews 4, 12. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It, expo- it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. He is the one to whom we are what, church? We're accountable. And somehow we run through life and we forget that. And I want to challenge you, Siri, that we're accountable to the things of the Lord. Kind of funny. The author here is telling you, you are not fooling God. You're not fooling God. You are not fooling God. Listen, young people, if you're here because your parents drug you here and you're as far from, you know, in your spirit, in your heart, you're as far, you're not, God sees it all. And you are accountable to him. You're accountable to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Please, please, please don't stand before God one day and say, you, you wrapped yourself in flesh, you died for my sin, you rose. It's just a little tack on in my life. And by the way, this passage is intended to be unsettling, Yes? I, like, we're intended for a few moments to be unsettled. And I preached on this at Easter Sunday. Remember this at Easter? I talked about the resurrected Christ, which we catch this glimpse of in Revelation chapter 1. Revelation 1, 16, he held the stars in his right hand, and, and a sharp, two-edged sword came out of his mouth. What is this two-edged sword? It's the Word of God. It's what we just read in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. It's the, two, it's the Word of God that's going to kind of go, you know, reveal everything about us one day. And the word of God does not fail, and the word of God is not confused, and the word of God does not deceive. And our lives will be laid bare before all the almighty God of the universe. Nothing, according to the scriptures, is hidden from him. Nothing. And so one of the things I know about Sunday morning, man, we all look good on Sunday morning. man. We all look as spiritual as we can look. But we're not faking it with God. None of our thoughts, our actions, and our intentions are hidden from him. In fact, even if you're playing the Christian game, he knows the sincerity of your heart. If you're following him in faith, you will be exposed by his word and by his expectations. With his divine, supernatural revelation. And Hebrews 4.12 says, man, we are, verse 13 says, we are accountable to him. And this church is why we must cling to Christ above all else, and his gospel. This is why, and next week we're going to get into this, we understand the importance of why we have a high priest and why he's Jesus Christ, because he's the only only way that we get to stand in the presence of God. It's why we need help. It's why we need a savior. It's why we must bow a knee and why, why we must take our salvation and spiritual things extremely seriously.
above all else. Because we're accountable to God for what we do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to finish with this. A couple weeks ago, we had a... um, We had elders prayer time on Thursday morning, and I always ask one of my elders to bring a devotional. I'm struggling to tell you what I'm going to tell you because what I'm going to tell you is not seeker sensitive. It's the type of thing you don't like to talk about when there's a large crowd because, quite frankly, I'll sit here and look at the crowd and I go, man, they may not come back. But my elder, he brought the devotional on the biblical teaching of hell. Like We don't talk about that in American Christianity anymore because the Bible's clear. It's not a matter of if you're going to live for eternity. It is a matter of where you're going to live for eternity. And that has everything to do with what you do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as he's reminding us of this truth I, that we love to ignore. I had, what came to my mind was a story of my Uncle Matt. Uncle Matt, I, he never said two peeps. I remember my Uncle Matt. To my knowledge, I don't know that he knew Christ. I still don't know. My Uncle Matt, like he would, he would, We'd have Thanksgiving and Christmas dinner, and he would sit in the corner, and he'd smoke a pipe, and the only thing he ever said was, hey. And I know if he's trying to be the Fonz or what, like that's all we ever got out of him, you know? And about 10 years ago, my Uncle Matt was dying in the hospital, and my mom calls me from Baltimore. She says, listen, I don't think Uncle Matt's going to make it through the night. And I said, Mom you got to go over there and you got to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ with Uncle Matt. And my mom began to, you know, and I'm not throwing my mom under the bus, right? She's like, well, you know, he, you know he, he never really liked to talk about spiritual things. And like right now he can't talk. And I said, well, that's great. He can't tell you no. And I was serious. And I'm not throwing my mom under the bus because here's the deal. None of us likes to run through life kind of being a Jesus nerd, do we? I don't. But if I believe this stuff to be true, I'm like, man, I have to be radical and be, take action. I said, Mom, if you're not going to go share the gospel with Uncle Matt, man, I really, I will get in the car right now and I will drive to Baltimore to make sure he hears the gospel message one more time. And she calls me the other night and she says, I just want you to know I went over and I, I pr- shared the gospel and I prayed with him. I don't, I don't know what happened. I still don't know what happened. The power of this text is this. You, this morning, have heard the gospel message. And the author of Hebrews says, man, we are in danger of not entering this great gift that God has given us called rest. Both what uh, the Bible calls the abundant life here on earth and eternal life of rest. But it has everything to do with what you do with the person and work of Jesus Christ. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. That's what this whole, chapter 3, chapter 4. Today, 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 today is the day. 
And I want to tell you something. If the Holy Spirit is working on your heart right now, it doesn't matter what the people around you think. It doesn't matter what your friend thinks. It doesn't matter what your parents think. This, this might be your day of salvation. Last week, you know, I'm going to close this with prayer, and I'm not going to ask you to do anything too weird, but if that's you, man, if, if you're tired of being chained or yoked to your idols, and you're exhausted because of your sin and your idols, you go, you know what, I want the rest that Christ offers. Here's the call of the gospel. It's repent, meaning turn from your sins, and believe in the person and work of Jesus Christ. That's how we know rest. That's the offer of God. Jesus Christ is the love of God, the goodness of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God granted to us. Does that make sense? So I'm going to close with a simple prayer. There's nothing magical about a prayer, but I will tell you this. Maybe right now God is calling you to do business with him. Today is the day of salvation. Let's close with prayer. I want everybody to bow your head. I want to close your eyes. If that's you and you're like, man, I'm ready to find the rest in Christ. Let me encourage you. This is, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's an opportunity to do business with the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning as Pastor Sean was preaching, as best I understand it, I want to believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, I'm tired of chasing all the things that don't fulfill me. I'm tired of being on the treadmill, being yoked to things that don't that are just wearing me out. And today, God, I turn from my sin and I believe in the person and the work of Jesus Christ that I might know the rest of God. I might know the peace of God. I might join in the inheritance of Jesus Christ. And I mark today as the day of my salvation. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.